The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome in, friends, to another episode of the Story World Podcast. It's been a couple weeks. Um, we had some time off. I wish I could say we were on a vacation in Hawaii, but we weren't. We were sick and all that stuff. So yeah. my boy Al is with me. What's up, my boy Al? I'm doing well. I noticed that you welcomed all our friends and excluded family because you know all too well that family doesn't bother listening to us. And so uh, well, I, that's a actually, very apt it, intro. At this, at this point, it's probably mostly family that listens to us, right? So. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, you know, at least you anyway. have some support on your end. Yeah, for sure. So, um, well, so what, I guess before we dive into the topic, by the way, today's topic, we're going to be talking about something a little different than what we normally would, but I think it's going to be um, cool. And, 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 and look out world uh, because we have no notes. We are not using notes on this episode. So <laughs> it literally it can... says Steve notes, Alex's notes, and they're <laughs> and blinking. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should just skip the topics all together and go straight to story of the week. Uh, it, we could probably talk for an hour about that, but yep. uh, I won't spoil that though. So stay tuned for your story of the week. Um, but we're going to be talking about the power of conversion and deconversion stories. And we know like, like a lot of the people who listen to us do happen to be like religious of some sort, because it, you know, it is kind of part of our um, part of, I guess the ethos or whatever of our, of our show, like it's part of who we are. And so we attract those sort of listeners. But um, if you're at all interested in like the way people think and philosophy of, of religion and like converting to religions or deconverting from religion or whatever if you have any interest in that that i think you're going to find you know maybe something a little bit helpful um out of this episode so pretty cool topic um i did want to tell everyone alex about uh about substack um if yeah you think absolutely that's, go that's for cool. it kick it off first of that yeah so um here's the thing me, me and alex like we love this podcast and we're going to keep doing it. Right. Um, we love this podcast. We love, uh, we love even videos, um, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, both of us are writers. Like, like podcaster is not part of my identity. Writer is, um, I write for an hour and a half every day. Alex probably writes for somewhere near that, or maybe more, I don't know, most days, or at least tries to, um, and so we, we're both writers and it was just kind of curious that we didn't really have an outlet for writing about this stuff, um, about story world stuff. It's just, uh, the podcast. And so, um, I'm really liking the idea lately of the, uh, paid slash free newsletter model, uh, just because it's such a, um, a great medium to get ideas out there and, um, <clears throat> technologically, pardon me. <clears throat> Technologically, it's uh, like really simple, <laughs> frankly, to publish a newsletter post there, yeah. and then it gets emailed out to the whole email list, et cetera. So um, 
you can join us over at storyworld.substack.com. Storyworld.substack.com. You can go there, enter your email address. It doesn't even ask for your name or anything. Just enter your email address and you can subscribe. Right now, everything there is free. Um, and we're basically, we're doing two posts per month. And um, they're going to be like, longer form sort of like deeper individual explorations into um you know our each individual subject matter obviously a lot of my stuff is going to be about business and marketing um a lot of alex's stuff is going to be about fiction and whatever and it's going to be worldview stuff um as well i think we sort of have this unique uh, approach that we find in the story world as um, as being sort of this mixture of you know the true story of reality like we've talked about which of course we me and Alex believe is tied to to faith to Christianity to the existence of God and things like that and then you've also got like the business side you've got the fiction side and it kind of just all blends together and so this is going to be a place to explore those topics and the connections um, pretty deeply and also for us to have a little fun. And uh, frankly, the idea would be eventually that we'll have a, a, a level of that that is a restricted access that is, is going to be paid. Um, and that's frankly to help support what we're doing here. And um, we both believe that it's fair to be paid when you do good work and have intellectual property that's helpful to people. So that's going to be part of it, too, at least coming down the road. So um, anything you wanted to add? Yeah, just that um... – I think much like this podcast, it's going to probably grow into different areas that uh, we just don't even expect yet. We kind of have our basic format that we want to do. Um, but um, just a, as a heads up that there's pretty much going to be like no topic that's off, you know, the table to discuss. It's basically really if Steve has an idea that he wants to discuss, he'll bring it up. Obviously, it will be story related in some way or another, but um, it's more or less a way for us to kind of get out our thoughts and explore what we're thinking about and we'll probably even have times where one of us will write a reply to another one's um newsletter that they wrote and uh explore into deeper subjects and maybe even um one of us will breach something and then we'll bring it on to this podcast and have like a long form discussion about it so we're going to kind of see where this grows and kind of see where it uh where it takes us yeah 100 percent. and i'm i'm excited about that uh me and alex both feel like we are better thinkers when we're writing, like yeah. writing helps us think. And so, um, you know, the podcast is fun um, and serious at times, but also just a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I think that the, um, the newsletter will be a great additional component to that. And two posts a month, nothing overwhelming, but I think you'll find them very, very useful. So absolutely. Great. Beautiful. So, yeah. So let's go ahead and dive into, into the subject matter a bit. So yeah, the, the power of, of conversion and and deconversion stories. So I'm it's social media is just such a crazy thing. I don't think in the early 2000s when this stuff was being created, I, I just honestly don't think people knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. what what potential they were unlocking. And I think you know, I would have to say that maybe like a way to think about this is maybe this stuff has been happening all along. It's like, you know, how people talk about the world has always been a rough place to live. Bad stuff always happens, etc. But like you weren't able to find out in an instant about whatever bad thing yep. happened thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles or whatever, like oh, thousands of miles away from you. Yeah. Um, 
Whereas now it's it's instantaneous. It is just a constant feed of of, of bad news and, and whatever and everything going on. And um, lately, I would say it's really picked up in the last three to four years. There has been just a surge of basically deconversions from, um, well, it's just, I mean, from Christianity. I mean, I'm sure in other faiths too, but mine and Alex's context is mostly Christianity. And there have been some pretty high-profile people who have walked away from the faith. And now you can even find, like on TikTok and stuff like that, like you can just be scrolling, minding your little Christian business, scrolling through your TikTok feed, and come across a random video of a person sharing essentially their testimony of walking away from Christianity. Now, of course, you can also find the opposite, right? You can find people who are defending their belief in Christianity and stuff on these platforms as well. But you guys know as well as I do, the negative stuff tends to reach more people than the positive stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I just wanted to kind of talk about that, about the, how powerful these sto- stories are. Um, when people share about how they were brought up believing a certain thing. And then it's like, then they stop believing that and they become so public about it. Um, I mentioned a few high profile ones, like three that I'll just rattle off. Uh, there was Rhett and Link uh, from Good Mythical Morning on YouTube. Very, very popular. Like even my wife knew who they were. A lot of people know who they are. Um, and they grew up in like a Christian conservative environment. And ultimately they just became convinced that, um, I mean, in my opinion, they're committing some very, very basic errors in thought, but they basically, um, you know, the two big things were, well, science seems to have overruled God. And, um, and secondly, they had friends who were, um, like homosexuals and, they didn't think that like they thought it was weird that God would be like mad at them or that God would punish them or, or whatever. So that you had written like another popular one was, um, I forget the guy's name, but he was from Hillsong church. Um, mm, I forgot about him. Yep. Hillsong church. Um, the conversion story. I forget what his name, uh, I forget what his name was, unfortunately. Um, um, yeah, I forget his name, but yeah, he was one of the big songwriters at Hillsong, very popular well known church. And um another one left. uh a little bit lesser known, but still kind of known is um John uh Steingard from Steingard. Hawk Nelson. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he, he, was, uh, the, he popular, was the next uh, one. Christian Christian band. That's exactly right. He was the next one I was gonna say. And um and he's actually so so I have some friends who are good friends with him mm-hmm. as a result of these conversations. Yep. Um, and he is actually back to considering theism. Not He hasn't specifically said yeah. Christianity, but he's – so he's like back to contemplating theism because he can't get away from the fact that that it's basically mind before matter yeah. kind of thing. And um, But still, all of these cases essentially – like give the people that they influence permission. It's like, it's okay. Right. It's okay to walk away. Like, look, I did, uh, the water's fine. I haven't been struck by lightning yet. You know, that sort of, 
Um, oh, there was another one. Uh, the guy who uh, wrote that book, you know what I'm talking about, Joshua. Yeah. Um, yeah. He wrote the book about Christian dating. Yeah, I, um, I said goodbye to dating or something like that. That I kissed dating goodbye. I That's kissed dating was. goodbye. I yes. kissed dating goodbye. I forget, yes. I forget his last name. I forget, um, I forget too. I forgot about but that. But anyway, but but so there's there's five, right? If you got Rhett and Link as two, right? There's like five pretty high profile people yeah. in the last three to four years. And that does something to culture when they're that high profile. Um, that it really does. It, it, it affects things. And so I thought we might just talk about how powerful those stories are. And, and on, you know, frankly, on the opposite side too, me and Alex both grew up in church and, you know, you, you hear testimonies of people who found the Lord, the Lord saved them out of these crazy circumstances and they have a story to tell. And that story oftentimes inspires other people, uh, to become Christians. So anyway, there's an opening salvo for you. It's um, maybe we should have stuck to notes. Cause now I got a bunch of thoughts <laughs> going on in my head that are just ready to burst. Well, forward. we can, so, we can chase one rabbit and then another. Yeah, then another. no, that sounds good. So I think uh, just the first thing that came to mind, one of the things that can really someone's story, you know, spe specifically talking about someone's story of saying why they are no longer in the faith or unbelieving or doubting or whatever it is, is a lot of times in like either a video that they share or words is they will say something along the lines of like what I came to realize or, um, um, but the truth of the matter is, or something along those lines. And so, I think it kind of depends, of course, on kind of your level and because we're all at different levels of strength in our in our faith and we grow in that um, of how you receive that. I remember I can't think of specific names, but I remember like as a kid hearing some stuff about this and I always thought like, wow, like if it was that obvious to them, why Christianity was not good and awful, like then it obviously must be. Like that's a very basic line right. to look at it, but that's mm -hmm. the influence on someone's story. So if I were to come to Steve and say, Hey, you know, like, I think maybe the stock market's going to crash. I'm thinking about doing this. Maybe you should do the same and start get Steve question about. But then if I came to Steve, I said, Hey, listen, like I have insider information. Stock market's going to crash this day. I know what's going to happen. Here's what it is. Steve's going to say, Oh, wow. Like, Okay, obviously that's true if you know you're so confident about it. And just that again, that's kind of like a very basic level looking at it. But when you talk to someone who, especially someone who's been in the faith for so long, and so you know, they know all the ins and outs of, you know, just being in that type of environment and atmosphere, to get them to for them to walk away from that obviously must be a strong enough pull for it to be true, right? And that's kind of the power that that can have over honestly, anybody, but like, if, you know, if you're a Christian or, uh, or a new Christian, or maybe not so strong in your faith, or even if you are, and maybe you just, you know, time and time again, you turn around the corner, you hear someone saying like, yeah, I obviously don't believe in this anymore because of this, this, and this, you know, I'm a lot, especially now, like when they say that their mind is free, they're a lot better now. They feel this and that, um, it can really, yeah. um, if it doesn't shake you, it can really get you just kind of discouraged in your mind and wondering like, how does that happen? Um, so that just yeah. from a surface level, just by someone, um, deconverting out of the faith and them telling their story, um, can really have a um, profound impact on a variety of people. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, so 
people believe what they want to believe a lot of times, right? And so um, there's a, a phenomenon in psychology called confirmation bias. And a lot of times we're fooling ourselves if we think we're on a quest for the real truth. Um, not all the time, of course, but a lot of the time, right? So a lot of the time what we'll do, and by the way, like being, so what you do when you're not being philosophically careful will oftentimes tell on you, right? So I have times obviously where I am more reflective and philosophically careful than other times. And so maybe you can identify with this. Maybe even you can, Alex. Like, have you ever had a thought about something, right? And then you're like, oh, this is the way that I heard it was. So then you go Googling and then you see contradicting information. And then you're like, my first thought in a lot of cases is, oh, I must not have searched for that right or something. Like, <laughs> Let me search like, for it this way. And I like changed the search. Yeah, no, yeah. for real. I yeah. changed the search because like, then I could have swore somebody said, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And, and, and then I'll look for it and it's like, oh yeah, got it. Found it. There we go. All good. Close the browser. I found what I wanted. Right. And I like, I do this. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like this is, this happens to me. And, but I also like, when I stop to think about it, which happens a lot, I'm like, I just did that. Like I, I just did the confirmation bias thing where I found what I was looking for. And so I think that's part of the interesting thing about this is that, you know, if somebody wants to go on the search for people who have left the faith and their reasons for doing so, that's a Google search away. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they, if they, if what they want is to find all the reasons why all these scholars don't accept the historicity of Jesus's resurrection, for example, they can find that information. It's all there. Now, the question is whether or not that information is truthful, whether or not that information is sound. And, and one of my favorite Bible verses that speaks to this is Proverbs 18, 17. I love this verse because it's, it's very important. It says this, um, the first to state his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. That's in the Bible, the freaking Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, okay? The first to state his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. And what it taught me is the importance of varying perspectives. And in fact, not even just like, oh, it's cool that, whatever, like that I can go that, that it's cool that people have varying perspectives. It's, it's more than that. It's like, it's actually necessary and essential in my opinion, that you engage with contradicting opinions often, because this is, this is how the real thought work happens. And this is how you get to the bottom of truth um, is you engage different viewpoints and not just stay in your own echo chamber. And so one of my like favorite things to do when I first really got into the defense of Christianity was to engage in debates, not just people teaching from the Christian side and not just people teaching from the atheist side, but I wanted to see the best atheist arguments up against the best Christian arguments. And by the way, you can find that like literally thousands of pieces of content online of those debates going back and forth. And what's kind of interesting is 
every now and then, like when I'm getting ready to listen to one, especially if the, if whoever like posted it is like really good at marketing. Right. And they put something in the <laughs> title that makes you think, uh Oh, like, like, is this going to be it? Right. Like, like lurking around the corner of this debate, is this going to be the one that causes that plants that little seed of doubt that says that Christianity is not true or whatever. And, um, I can honestly say I've had those feelings like a bunch, like plenty of times. And I'm always amazed by the end of the debate, how well it went for the Christian and how awful it went for the atheist. Now I'm just being honest. Like maybe you've had the opposite experience. I don't know. But in every single one of those debates that I've encountered, like very few, very few of those debates did the atheist have a good argument for atheism. Um, and even the best arguments against Christianity, um, frankly, were not very good. I mean, I think they have answers. Um, so and I think the problem of evil is about as hard as it gets. And, um, and ironically, on the other hand, I think the problem of evil is one of the best arguments for Christianity. Um, so anyway, it's just interesting. Like engaging with various opinions is one way to keep from that confirmation bias sort of infecting you. Yeah, um, I, I will say I, I, I agree with that as a little challenge. Um, don't get too sucked into absorbing yourself in. Um, how do I say this in uh, honestly, just material that um, you can absorb yourself too much in the other side's material, if that makes sense. So yep. if you spend all your time for years straight, not reading the Bible, not listening to your pastor or not maybe in a discipleship group, if all you're doing is um, reading books on atheism or against Christianity, yeah, your knowledge is going to grow, but you, eventually, yes, uh, that's a lot of flooding into your mind on one thing. So I, I, I agree yep. with Steve um, as far as... Yep. Um, and I totally best, agree with that, by the way. The best thing to do is um, to listen to like long-form debates or podcasts, like what Steve said, like they're you could sit down all day and listen to them and never run out of material. So, you know, they're out there. Yeah. Yeah. Actually there's a, um, a guy, a colleague who, uh, his name is Eric. He's got a YouTube channel called testify. And he just recently posted a video that was pretty controversial, um, about this, about like, Hey, like stop checking out all these atheist YouTubers or whatever. <laughs> and like the reason for that, was not just because, oh, you don't want to engage the other side. That's not the point at all. Um, it's it's that Christianity at its at its at its core is a relationship. That's what it is. It's a relationship with God, it's a relationship with Jesus. Um, and so imagine to bring it to relatable terms, imagine if your wife, you you didn't hardly ever talk to her. And instead, you spent all of your spare time with a girl from work or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and what that girl from work did was constantly feed you with information about how your wife wasn't good for you. And, and, and by the way, maybe even, maybe some of what said girl from work says is like true mm -hmm. as far as it goes. Like, like maybe it is true that whatever she, your wife should make you more sandwiches than she does. You know, I'm just being silly, <laughs> but like that your wife should make you more sandwiches than she does or like something like that. But like, 
that, that even if that's true, it doesn't mean that the relationship couldn't be worked on and worked out and like grow over time. And so because Christianity is a relationship, guess what? If you don't relate with that person, with the person of God, with the person of Jesus, then you're going to grow. You're, 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 that's going to happen. You're going to fall away. You're, you're going to be so far engaged in this other stuff. So I think definitely uh, approaching it with balance is like, is so, 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 so important. And if anything, I think biasing towards affirming materials, because we know the reality of doubt, like doubt is going to come up in the life of any Christian, of any religious person, frankly, like doubt is going to be there. Um, the question is, can the doubt be overcome with good arguments? And you say, well, Steve, you keep your Christianity. I'm going to keep my whatever, my Mormonism. I'm going to keep my Islam or whatever. And I'm going to I'm going to say the same thing. Oh, I'm just going to spend more time reading the, you know, the book of Islam, than then arguments against the book of Islam. And then I'll be, I'll be cool in my worldview and, and you be cool in my, and your worldview. And that's it. Well, of course, it has to go beyond that, right? Because it, you do have to actually have good arguments for something being true and for other things being false. So like a lot of people have found that arguments for Islam don't hold up and arguments for Christianity do, and it has led them in that direction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's, it's definitely true. Don't spend all your time engaging in other materials, but do spend a fair amount of time understanding what other people believe so that you are reasonable and rational in, in the things you do. Uh, if you're uh, into, sport, into sports or know anything about sports, it'd be like spending all your time watching the other team's footage and understanding how they play ball, but never practicing with your own team. Right. It's not mm -hmm. going to be beneficial when you're actually out there on the court. So, um, yeah. 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 Um, um, go ahead. Uh, one question that came to mind, do you, at least for me, um, it, it probably shouldn't be this way. Um, so maybe it's just a fault of my own, but it's, it seems to me that um, hearing stories of people um, walking away from the faith has a more profound effect, just like mentally and just kind of, you know, like getting around it than when I hear stories of people turning to the faith. And maybe mm -hmm. that's just an admission of maybe I need to kind of get something right in my own mind. But I don't know. Is that a thought or feeling that you have shared in the past or or why that you think that might be for some people? Yeah. So I am. So there's a um, in in sort of psychological personal development sort of brain thought. Right. There is a. Um, like different people are motivated by different things. Mm -hmm. And so some people are motivated towards pleasure and other people are motivated away from pain. And so I think that I, I would say in this case, if you have somebody who is a, let's say you have a Christian or at least they think they're a Christian. That's the tricky thing. When you actually start looking at the Bible, it's like yeah. now you have to deal with questions of, well, yeah. what did Jesus mean when he said a lot of people said that they thought they were saved, but they actually aren't because he yep. never knew them, et cetera, et cetera. And once saved, always saved. You know, there's a lot of rabbit holes we, we could go down. But let's say you have a person, and let me just to, to chase that rabbit just a little bit. Um, I have a colleague who is a Christian um, 
with a uh, with a psychology uh, degree, and there is a potentially very meaningful. And by the way, this needs to be explored more. But there's a potentially very meaningful difference between um, conversion and like whatever you might consider an event of salvation and we can explore that later mm-hmm. but that that might be actually sort of two different things um but let's say you have a christian who is like on the fence um like they think they're a christian they've grown up at church their whole lives or whatever they remember saying the prayer like the whole nine um but they have like some negative thoughts toward it they they kind of think that they're being taught evolution in the science class and that looks like it could be true. I mean, everybody else believes it. Like only the weird Christians, you know, seem to not believe it or whatever, you know? And well, it does seem weird that like God would place people in the middle of a country where like they would never hear about God living in some jungle or something. And like, but he's going to send those people to hell, you know, and they start having Mm -hmm. these sort of thoughts. Well, in my mind, if you have a person who is more motivated away from pain, the, the pain that they're experiencing is reconciling those thoughts together. So if you have somebody who comes along and says, hey, you're not alone, right? Like, we feel this way too, and we've stepped into the other, other side here, and it's more pleasurable over here because you can believe that God's not going to send people to hell. You can believe that evolution is true, yada, yada, because there is no God. Um, then I think those people are going to be maybe uh, more apt to – think that is more powerful because it's, it's sort of easing their psychological pain, if you will, mm-hmm. um, in that, in that sense. But then if you have people who are more motivated by pleasure, right, those people may be a little bit more motivated by the testimonies of conversion to the faith. Um, if that makes sense. Like, like yeah, I think it's, I think it just has a lot to do with like your internal bias. Um, and which is, again, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to question, like to deal with your own biases, frankly, like it's hard to admit your biases. It's hard to like uncover what they are in a lot of cases. So yeah, it's tough. I think too, this is something that I'll probably have to explore more. Maybe I'll write a, uh, a letter on it on our Substack. but, um, I, I jotted the note here just because it came to mind, but you kind of have the hero archetype too, where you expect the hero to, if they don't always win or succeed, that they will at least die trying. And so, especially when you see someone like a leader in the community of faith or someone who is well-known, who seems to be, you know, very strong and, you know, sure and everything, then you see them fall, something like a red button goes off on our head and it says, like, this isn't right. And so um, I think that um, dealing with that type of archetype and how we we see the world, which it's funny, it's like a confirmation of that good should win. And so um, it's kind of like uh, we kind of mm-hmm. know that. But um, yeah, it. Uh, I think that kind of uh, deals with the psyche too a little bit of hearing someone's story and seeing, if not your hero personally, someone that you know has been like either a hero to many or well-known or well-liked by many, kind of take that step back and, and turn away from the faith. Um, I think that just kind of, um, subconsciously registers in our system and affects us that way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think you're hundred percent right. And, and to, to go off of that a little bit too is so with, with Christianity, like what people often get wrong is that it's, it's not, 
it's not a checklist religion. It's not a do's and don'ts religion, uh, do's and don'ts sort of religion. Um, a lot of people think that it is. Um, they grow up in a church context or whatever that has that mindset or, or whatever. Um, and so the reality of the situation is if you have somebody who, who comes to the faith later in life, um, even though Christianity is not fundamentally about your moral categories and the way you act in the world, et cetera, the Bible is quite clear that a person who has been radically, you know, who has been saved has literally been brought from death to life. They are literally from the inside out a new person. And a lot of times people who are converted later in life remember that moment. Mm. They remember that moment of surrender. And these are oftentimes people who have tried what you might call turning over a new leaf <laughs> plenty of times before. And what they will testify to is an obvious difference between who they were and who they are based on that change. Where this gets tricky is for people who have grown up in the church. And by yeah. the way, I are one of them, right? I mean, my yeah. testimony is of being saved at four years old. I truly believe I was. And that like, like I, I can just, I have a sense that like, to put it one way, I feel like I always chose the good. Like I, like I had, I had the Holy spirit with me. Like I felt that, but like, but I never had some radical transformation. In fact, the only experience I have of being a sinner is of being a sinner while at the same time a Christian. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And, and, and so what happens is you have people who have grown up in, in the community, in their church community and their religious family or whatever. And it's all they've ever known. And whether or not they've had a moment of salvation, you know, I, I don't know. Um, obviously that's for each specific circumstance, but it's like Christianity is like default mode for them. And so much like the kid who is sheltered and then goes to college and finds out there's a whole new world out there and goes and gets plastered every night and all of this, like eventually you grow up and, and you start to realize that there are people out there who don't believe what you do. Mm -hmm. And that's just like, whether or not there's a famous deconversion story or whatever to point to, that's going to happen. Like you are yeah. going to interact, you're going to get a job or you're going to go to college or whatever. And you're going to meet someone who didn't grow up in the Christian community. And it's going to be like, yo, how do you even live? But they do. And, and I think what happens is, and maybe this is just part of the process. I'll be honest. Maybe this is part of the sort of the, like the way the Bible puts it, you know, the wheat, the wheat and, you know, from the tares and, and all of that sort of thing. But like, there's this sort of pruning process that goes on where you once you really believe that other people are out there, or you or you, re, you come to realize that other people are out there who are not um, living uh, in a Christian way, and yet they seem to be pretty decent people. You know, they've never been to jail. They don't even go out and maybe even get drunk or whatever. You know, they do good at their at their job, and it's like if you grow up with the notion that you've always been saved or whatever, and you've needed God to be moral, suddenly you find out that somebody who has nothing to do with God is moral, and your categories will break. Mm -hmm. And, and then it's, it, that gets amplified in this world of social media and Google, where you can go immediately find literally thousands of other people, some of whom are very, very high profile who have been through sort of the same thing. So I guess I'll just wrap up this part by saying that 
that there is, I guess, I, the, I, I want to use the word danger. Um, I want to use the word danger, but I, I don't, I, but at the same time, I don't want to use that word. Uh, the danger in growing up Christian is that you might falsely think that you actually are one and not be one. And then you get led away. Um, mm-hmm. From the faith. Now, again, it's going to depend on your theology as to if you believe you could have been saved at one point and then not saved. And I'm not going to speak to that necessarily right now, but like, I, I think it's it's far less likely. Um, so let me just to be specific. There's a guy named Monty who I used to go to church with, and I use him as an example often because his mama prayed for him for 40 years. He was like literally drug dealer, drunk drug addict like he was that guy in town everybody knew him he was the guy there was no hope for this guy that kind of thing like he would be the last person you would ever expect to come to the lord and um in his 50s he came to the lord not only came to the lord was called to preach like he's a preacher now preaches out at revivals and different things um and faithful member of his church has been for you know probably getting up close to 10 years now and um the, the likelihood that he finds some scientific argument or something that leads him away from the faith is like so – it's like so minuscule, it's not even funny, right? Because he knows who he was. Mm. And after he found the Lord and, and surrendered to the Lord, he knows who he is now. And so that like that first-person experience of the Lord on a daily basis is like it, – it's such a in, – in philosophy, they would call it a defeater-defeater. It's so powerful that it can defeat – any other defeaters of like arguments or whatever that somebody else might come up and, and say, you know, well, have you heard about this argument? Well, it's like, yeah, but like, forget your argument. Like I've experienced the Lord personally. And the Bible does teach that we are able to have that sort of experience of the Lord. So, you know, it, it, the likelihood of him uncovering some argument that leads him away from the faith is very small. And yet the likelihood of somebody growing up in the church who has never heard good reasons for the faith growing up in this digital first world exposed to all these people or whatever, um, you know, going to school and learning about evolution and this, that, and the other, um, the likelihood of that person leaving the faith because of an argument they hear or something is much higher. Um, and so, yeah, then you have the difficult question of what does it mean to leave the faith and are you actually leaving or are you just like, is it temporary or was it not real to begin with or was it? And it gets really dicey really quick. So I think, um, an important lesson here. I think we've talked about this too before off camera, Steve, maybe on camera too, that um, I think Christian parents really need to step up the game, especially if you were raised in kind of a, I was raised in a, in a good home in a good church, but it was definitely like on the stricter side and kids are going to have weird thoughts. anyway. but I remember like growing up as a kid and not really related to Christianity, but like, whenever I found out like a family member, like voted Democrat, I thought they were like a bad person. Like I associated something that was bad that like, like in and of itself is not bad. And that can really like damage a kid. Cause if you have a kid who thinks, Oh, all Democrats are bad and all Republicans are good. What's going to happen when they see a Republican that goes to jail for something. And then your aunt or uncle who votes Democrat is the nicest person on the face of the planet. Exactly. And and, and so we, I think we just, we don't think about it, but we kind of, you know, subtly train our kids wrong and incorrect thinking. And right. I, I hope and I think it's going in a direction where our generation, Steve, is, is doing and hopefully going to be doing a better job at that than our mm-hmm. generation. I think it is a generational thing. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but um, mostly. Yeah, mostly. mostly. I, I know there's still a lot of uh, 
you know, churches that are still like that. And there's a lot of people that kind of follow that kind of route of thinking. But as, if you're have your kids growing up in church, I mean, and, you know, that's incredible, but that's going to be the only thing that they know when there's a whole bunch of realities out there that, you know, you would rather be the person to introduce it to them than someone that's out right. there introduce it to them. So um, mm-hmm. just take a lead in your, you know, kids can take quite a bit depending on the maturity and certain age level, but you know, you're going to have to introduce them to that stuff at some point. <laughs> right. The, the big thing that, you know, from an intellectual standpoint that I want for my kids, I mean, here's the thing, like a few things are true at the same time. You know, number one, I can't save my kids. It's literally not in my power. I mean, according to my theology, the way that I, I believe the Bible reads, like only God can do that. And so I must pray at the same time. Um, I also want to share with them what I think the truth is and be very logical about that to the extent possible. And ultimately I don't want to teach them what to think. I want to teach them how to think. Yeah. And that's That's my, that's going to be much more worthwhile. Oh yeah. That's, that's my goal. And so I like, I want them to be able to spot the fallacy in an, in an argument or, or the, um, or the merits of an argument without just, you know, Oh, well it's, it's Democrat or Republican or it's, you know, they drink or they don't drink or, you know, whatever, like that sort of silly thing, you know, it's like, that's not really a good way to evaluate people um, at all. It's it's much more a matter of, and and like even, so it's crazy. Like uh, Jackson, my um, middle son is obsessed with dinosaurs. And we went to a science museum just the other day, last Friday. And, um, like it's cool because I'm, I'm now starting to get to have conversations with them that are, you know, about like because they're noticing now they're noticing the difference between oh well like wait <laughs> the Bible doesn't teach or at least again the way that I'm that I believe the Bible doesn't teach that dinosaurs were killed by an asteroid or whatever 65 million years ago like we we teach that they were killed in a global flood and like there's lots of evidence to back that up um even from secular sources that like flooding is what ended up killing out most of the dinosaurs and not some asteroid thing and yet when you go to these science places or whatever like literally the when you walk in you walk in the door and something hits you with millions of years ago it's the first thing and so they're noticing the differences there now Mm -hmm. and so I'm really trying to teach them not just, oh, well, we believe this because Bible says so. Like, okay, but like it's it's deeper than that. And and so I'm trying to get them to think about, you know, you got to understand, boys, that like some people believe in God and some people don't. And like when you approach, when you think about the world, it's two different ways of thinking about the world entirely. And yeah. so it's it's like, you know, does it – and even a kid understands that it doesn't make sense for a universe – to pop out of, of nothing, but that's literally what they teach. You know, and, and it's like kids don't need to be like, they get it right. Like they get it. Like they don't really need that much coaxing. They just need to be presented with the options and they can think logically about it themselves for two seconds and be like, Oh, well, yeah, of course. Like, you know, like, like Bill Craig said, how come, how come only universes pop out of, uh, you know, into existence out of nothing. Like, why not rhinoceroses or like microwaves or something else? Why don't those <laughs> pop into into existence out of nothing? And it's it's obviously a very you know sort of pithy way of making the point. 
but the point still stands, right? And so, yeah, teaching them how to think, not what to think. Um, and that's as it relates to the power in general of conversion and, and, and deconversion. Look at, I don't think, I don't think you should be any more compelled by a conversion story than a deconversion story. Yeah. Personally, and I know that some people will be, um, you know, swayed more by either one, but I think it should be a matter of evaluating everything on its own terms and coming to the conclusion that you think is, you know, is the most warranted. And I guess I'll just end by saying that at the end of the day, the Bible teaches that it's not a purely or even mostly rational problem. It's, it starts with a heart. It's a heart issue. And a lot of times what you want to believe ends up being the reality for you and you will find it's the same act. It goes back to sales. And this is where I say it all connects in sales. You get emotionally invested in something and then you justify it logically. Nobody ever made a logical argument to buy a Ferrari. They saw the Ferrari. They said that sucker is red fast and it's doors flip up like a Lamborghini. <laughs> I have to have that. And then they justify it logically, but, but they've already bought it emotionally. And the same thing I think is going to be true of worldviews or anything like that. You know, so you have to be really careful to overcome biases and, and think about things, but a lot of times it's going to come down to your heart. And in the end, um, for someone who is a Christian, I, I'll use the term because past use it as um, for sin, but you can replace it with anything having to do with anyone else. But the only, the only sin or person you should be concerned with is your own maybe not only, but 90% of it, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. The only, the only thing you have control over is the decisions that you make. Um, and, and so that goes for anything in life. So when you, whenever you hear stories like this, or if, uh, you know, something bad happens in the church that you're going through, or maybe something with your family, your church family, or, um, someone who you've looked up to in the faith, no matter what other people go through, as long as you keep your relationship strong with God and you focus on what you need to do in life, you're going to be a lot more mentally healthy, a lot more, a lot happier. Um, you just need to focus on what you need to do because literally what it comes down to is that's all that matters. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. That's good, man. I think that wraps it up. Absolutely. Very good. Uh, story, story of the, of the week. week. I, I have talked so much, so please, uh, you talk and let's, let's talk about it. Well, um, I just got excited about that. And I was saying about the excitement that a uh, Nick cage has in his movies. And I feel like we need to have another Nick cage movie night. I don't know why that. And I'm so freaking excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, anyway, good on Nick cage. All right. So story of the week, um, Elon Musk officially buys Twitter. Yeah. Um, and what a ride it was. So I remember, way back when, when he made the offer off the cuff to buy it. And they're like, well, we'll take you seriously. And then it went through all the shenanigans of, oh, well, no, I can't buy it because of this. And they said, well, now we're going to sue you or however it came about. Now Elon finally owns Twitter. It only cost what, like a measly 55 billion or 45 billion or something like pocket change. I think it was 45. Yeah. Who's counting at this point? At that point, he was counting. So um, Elon's already done. Um, a lot of stuff apparently he's um so i think he got rid of what all nine like executives or director level people or five whatever well he temporarily he 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 did fire like the main like the ceo and the head of legal and like the executive team but he also temporarily dissolved the board 
Yes, that's right. Um, which he has to do. I mean, again, like their cheat, their head of whatever trust and safety, yeah. um, is a good source to, to sort of follow. And he made the point that, like, look, this is all going by the book. Like, you, you got a transfer of power. You know, you had a publicly owned company that is now transferred to private ownership. You know, lots of stuff going on here. It, and whether, whether, love him or love him or hate him, that's like that's a that's just a smart business move. Like, if you go into some place. Obviously, yeah. Twitter's such a big company. You're gonna have people that are gonna love him, and people that hate him. There, probably the majority might even probably hate him. Just, just you know, knowing the company. But the people mm -hmm. that you have running things from the top down, it's not gonna do well going in and trying to convince people to your side. It's a smart business move to bring people that you already know are trustworthy to you and follow your line mm -hmm. of thinking. Um, so smart move right yeah. off the back there from him. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, like. I really try to have patience with people. I do, but I just don't get it. Like, like, so there was, I saw one tweet earlier and this is from a financial, I don't, I don't know all the details, but I looked into their profile. It's from a, a, a financial education company. Okay. This is what they are. They educate on finances. And the tweet was basically trying to show an inconsistency in Musk. And it was like, Elon Musk, hey, I didn't buy Twitter for financial reasons. Also, Elon Musk, we're going to charge $8 for, e for for Twitter Blue. And I just wanted to, like, reach through my computer and, like, wring a neck. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is a financial education company. How stupid can you be? This It doesn't matter what reason you are buy a company for or you own a company or you start a company or you run a company the company has to be financially profitable or there is no oh, yeah. company you and i have talked before it'd be so fun to set up like our fantasy type theme restaurant and story theme stuff oh, and we would do it and i think it probably will one day I think oh. it will. But Steve and I are going to do that for fun. But guess what? If it doesn't make money, it's going to drain our bank accounts. And yeah, we're gonna the screwed. doors will close. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it, it boggles the mind. And this is not, again, I mean, this, this is an account with like hundreds of thousands of followers and a check mark and the whole nine yards. And a lot of people, the same thing. You know, you've got Stephen King. I'm sure you saw his take where it was like 20 bucks. F you, Elon. I'm out of here like Enron. And yeah. Elon just, I mean, he legit... He applied, you know, he replied with, look, we have to make money somehow. I could literally hear him saying it through the, yeah. through the tweet, right? Like we have to make money somehow. And, uh, and then again, somebody else who had screenshotted that was commenting on it. Like imagine Elon Musk, like, imagine the most, the richest man in the world, you know, haggling with Stephen King over $16 or whatever. And it's like, or, or, or whatever yeah. it is, $12 or, or just whatever it whatever is. Whatever it is. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's like, this is the dude is just trying to figure out like, I, it's like, I'll be honest. I don't understand. Even if I didn't like him at all, by the way, I'm, I am biased because I do. I love him. I love Elon Musk. I think he's a freaking <laughs> genius. I mean, I, he is, he is the man as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, That's just it. But even I, I would like to think here I am checking my biases, right? I would like to think that even if I didn't give a crap about him, that I would still understand what he was doing from a business perspective as being the right thing to do. Yeah, you know what? This is an important guy, Stephen King. In the in the scope of people, he is 
an important person. A big deal. And a big deal in the scope of humanity. And yeah, sure. I mean, he was coming on and saying, okay, well, you wouldn't pay 20 for it. Fine. The market was speaking. Would you pay eight? It's I mean, yeah, right. why why not? Why not have that conversation? And by the way, why not? And this is the thing. This is what's so cool. What people are missing. People are just missing this. This is not a conversation that's happening. Like, it's so cool. It's the coolest time to be alive. This is not these conversations, the settling of Twitter blue being eight bucks or whatever. It's not happening in some boardroom amongst a bunch of suits who are making mm-hmm. decisions for no other reason than their bottom line and or appeasing governments, which is what it yeah. used to be. It is now a conversation happening in public. In this case, it happened very publicly between the richest man alive and the one of the most successful fiction authors alive, which is a big deal considering the readership of fiction versus whatever versus nonfiction, right? I mean, Stephen King, a pretty big deal, legendary, right? So it happens in public. How are people missing this? Everybody can see it. There's no, it's, it's like, it's literally fundamentally unshady. Like, I don't know what else to say. It's the, the, the discussion about what the thing is going to cost is, is so transparent that it's happening on the platform for everybody to see and comment on it's it's what the world needs and i I don't see how anybody is missing out on this like i don't i just don't get it yeah you would think that the vast majority of people will be like okay this is a pretty good thing like right look i gotta here's another one because i told you this is a dangerous topic because i could i can just go let me i got i got this screenshot and um i'm just gonna read it I'm just yep. gonna read it if I can. If I can, uh, yep, go for it. If I can find it, oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, I I posted it on Facebook, so I'm while go you're there. looking for it, I have a thought. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead I thought. almost I almost believe people when they say we're in a simulation because I feel like that only in a simulation would this guy Elon be able to own Twitter, SpaceX and tesla it just do everything that he wants to do (laughs) i almost believe people who say that (laughs) yeah i I mean it's like i showed you that video the man designed rockets that land on their own in the middle of the ocean Mm -hmm. on a barge with computers and they're totally reusable. They could literally be taken right back to the launch pad and go again after refueling. That's insane in the world. He can't deal with a social media platform. What, what are you talking about? Are you, what are you, what are you? And again, I'm going to still say like, whatever. I think at this point people like, like we're like, we're, we're gaining our, our correct, like I would say crowd here. Like we've all like the people who hate us have already tuned out. Like if they're not whatever, but like, the same thing happened with Donald Trump. Here's what it was. The man, whether Elon or Donald or whoever, the man was a genius until they bucked against the narrative, right? Everybody loved Donald Trump. Every celebrity, everyone ever, he had more respect. He had plenty of respect. Same with Elon Musk. Well, same with Elon, Elon five, five years ago. Wow, five Tesla, years. he's making safe self-driving cars. He wants to explore space. Yep. Great yep. guy. Yep. yep, yep. But, but, but allow people the freedom 
to speak up, not in any illegal way, just in a way that might contradict what some people think, what some narratives say. And you end up with, with Twitter hashtags trending like boycott Tesla. Really? <laughs> boycott? Boycott the safest cars on the road, objectively speaking. Boycott yeah. the basically the largest car company. They're blowing all the others out of the water and don't spend a dime on advertising. Boycott the, the company whose long-term vision is to create batteries so that so that not just create batteries, but to, to make up about 10% of the world's mm -hmm. total battery supply so that the world can run on battery power instead of gasoline and and fossil fuels. It doesn't make any sense. But he can't, right? But but oh, the big man says that people can post whatever they want to on Twitter within legal, you know, within laws and all that, and we want to boycott them now. See, it's just it's just so stupid. So here's this. So I, I screenshotted this. Um, I am going to show you, uh, and yeah. for the just for the benefit of people who end up watching the video on YouTube, um. And then also for you, just because uh, you might want to see it. I don't know. Um, here it is. Yeah. So I screenshotted this. These two tweets were in my time. Were in my Twitter timeline. One right on top of the other. Elon saying Twitter will be forming a content. This is like the day he bought it, right? That evening. Twitter will be forming a content moderation council with widely diverse viewpoints. No major content decisions or account reinstatements will happen before that council convenes. Okay. Nobody should be mad at that. Why would anybody be upset with that viewpoint? Oh, mm. yep. We're going to form a fair moderation council different viewpoints. We're not even turning on the orange man or anybody else until these things happen, whatever, you know, we're going to put this council together. The very next tweet from Marina Sirtis, who is from Star Trek, the next generation. She played Deanna Troy and then liked by number one, Jonathan Frakes, who my kid is freaking named after like break my <laughs> heart. Right. She says, I'm sorry, but I could not be a part of anything owned by Elon Musk and his cabal of deplorables. I'll stay on for a couple of days so that we can say goodbye. But after that, I'm gone. What? What is this? Freaking kindergarten, you can't be my friend anymore. Like, what is happening? What? Like, anyway, what is going on? That makes no – and so that is the problem. When you've got, you've got the source who says a perfectly reasonable – statement that doesn't favor either side or whatever but then you've got such and such influencer who comes on and says blah 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 you know cabal of deplorables i'm out you know blah, 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 blah. like and what's funny is it's like <sighs> as if her leaving twitter is gonna cause a mass exodus of right <laughs> who right. is it who even is like, this person like who gives a crap like how many how so elon has 113 million i think right now uh, followers, let's see how many Mar Marina Sirtis has. Is she still on here? She might have left already. I don't know. Marina Sirtis, I don't see her. Uh, yeah, Took yeah, all her 10 fans with her. Yeah, she might have left already, but like basically, she had no, yeah, yeah. I mean, she had, like, re again, relatively speaking, like it's like a total nothing burger, right? And so, it's, it's just that sort of mindset, man. Like, that's how close-minded people are. And I'm just like, look, if you're listening to this, if you're still listening to this, God bless you. But look, if you're if you're listening to this, like, please don't be that way. Like, you disagree with people yeah. or whatever. But like, don't, like, 
don't just totally twist people. Like you don't know what people think and, and how they are. Like until people say it, like that old saying, like you don't know how stupid, you know, people are until they open their mouths or whatever. And it's like, you know, anyway, it's, it's unbelievable to me how unfairly people are handling mm. this whole situation. Um, and you think, well, why do you care? Well, because ultimately, because I think Elon's right in his supposition that Twitter is the de facto town square. That's it. I mean, that's it. It, it is. It is how people online, especially digital natives, share their opinions for the most part. And if that is not protected, then humans have no way. I mean, literally today, today, there was a huge report about. Did you see this? Did you see this report? I don't know. Today there was a huge report, documentation and everything from a from a left leaning news resource that showed basically collusion between the United States government and various platforms to censor certain kinds of speech that they didn't like. Like a legit uh, report, documentation, yeah. the whole nine. Like that's what it, we're going surprise me. That's what we're going from. I mean, I'll be honest. I think it's like, I mean, I think in this world, everything's a God thing. I really think this might be a God thing. Like, it's literally like it was almost extremely, like even Twitter or Facebook, like all these places were almost even more dangerous than they already are for 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 humanity. And yeah, this was a this was a big win. Um, I mean, for honestly, it should be it should be it's a big win for everyone. Like really, it should be a big yep. win for everyone when but not everyone's recognize it. And if you look at like political sphere, like it's it's the most like libertarian thing that you that could have happened. And That's everyone right. should be kind of happy about that. That's right. Yeah. As a Christian, for anyone, Twitter is to people are gonna say something on Twitter that you don't like, and that's okay because we're giving everyone's getting the freedom to say whatever they want, and that should yep. just be a good thing. <laughs> yep. And it's, it's, yeah, that's right. It, I don't understand the controversy. Um, and what's interesting is like a lot of people who are basically politically liberal and, and, and socially liberal or whatever, like your Joe Rogan's of the world, you know, they see this and they get it right. And, and, and I appreciate that. Like I, I, I appreciate people who see what's going on for what it is. Um, you know, that, you know, people who wouldn't necessarily vote conservative, um, like I again, I'm hearing of people. Joe Rogan, uh, one of the guests he had, was talking about this. How a member of their family, literally the most blue, like liberal person you can possibly imagine, is like, yeah, like I would definitely vote for DeSantis. Like, hmm. and she was like, you know, talking to Joe, she was like, how is it that bad? Like, how did they, <laughs> lose, like, how did they lose her? Like, they, like, right. how, how did that happen? And this is how when you when you suppress a human's ability to human, it has dire consequences. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's what it comes down to. When you're not able to behave in an environment that you're meant to behave in, <laughs> that's uh that's what's gonna happen. Nailed it, nailed it. All right, that is that's enough for this one. Yes, we talked to everybody's ears. Steve and I said that we were gonna go 20 minutes tonight, and we, we, we gotta stop. We gotta stop saying that. So we just gotta let it happen. <laughs> like Howard Stern, just let it happen, baby. Just let it happen. What a great, so, what a great show he runs. Uh yeah. Well, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's something it's, like that. <laughs> let's just say I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, all right. Anyway, thank you all for watching. 
appreciate your time and support yes. and everything. Yep. Yep. Many, many blessings. And uh, thanks for sticking around. Join us on Substack. Join us on YouTube. We're getting in more places. And um, are we going to do so? Uh, let's just real quick. Um, yeah. We are yeah. going to have a, maybe another episode or two, I think. Probably and then two. we're going to. Probably two more. And then we're going to be done uh, for the for the year. We're going to kind of take a little break and come back with next year. We'll call it season two and, uh, and get started all over again. Right. We've done this for almost a whole year. How almost cool. Almost a full year. And so excited. We're going we're gonna to come back bigger and better we're just getting our feet started and so i think we're going to come back and have some really cool ideas and i'm wicked excited to to kind of see what happens in season two. yeah yeah absolutely I'm, I'm loving it all right man all right see you later